ESPN Radio. I know there's three games left, but the Lakers season is over. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Knicks host the Nets, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. And P.J. Carlissimo is on the call tonight for Nets Knicks. And Coach, let's start, though, before I get to some Nets talk, with the Lakers because they are not in a play-in. They're not in the postseason. They can go ahead and kick their feet up and and take this summer off for LeBron James. How disappointed are you by the way that their season went? Um, I'm not disappointed. I mean, it it is what it is. You know, uh, I think there was always a chance. I mean, if you said before the season that AD and LeBron are going to miss as many games as they missed, that's pretty much all she wrote right there but uh you know when you look at the the additions that they made and um you know russell trying to fit in i mean it just there were too many things went wrong i mean everybody kept saying well when they get guys healthy a they never got guys healthy i mean it's not just a question of i mean it, it happening by the you know the 79th game and everybody okay everybody's ready to go it, you know and it's the seventh time they've played together this whole year it, it's you know continuity even within a year, even within a season. Teams that are together, you look at a Phoenix team that's essentially you know, very much the same team as you had in the past. That kind of continuity you can't compete with. But even within a year, you can have a lot of new players, and by the end of the year, they've played 50 or 60 games together and have had as many practices, particularly in the preseason. You know, It just started out poorly for the Lakers and never got better. Uh, it's hard to replace what happens in the preseason. It's only a couple of weeks, but that's when you, you kind of lay the foundation and guys start to play together. And then as you, you, the deeper you get into the year, you just don't practice, to be honest with you. You don't have enough time. Your guys who are playing big minutes, you can't practice them because they've only got so much energy and you can't waste it at practice. And you can never duplicate games played together by people. doesn't matter how good they are. It's, it's not an all-star game. You know, that, that's the thing. When you have the All-Star game, one All-Star team plays another. So it doesn't matter if those guys haven't played together. They don't know plays or, you know, they're not used to uh, playing together. Uh, what the Lakers dealt with, any team that had to deal with that, even when you start with two of the best players in the game, uh, it's just a recipe for disaster. But uh, it, any criticism is fair. You know, the additions they made to the roster, the feeling was, okay, if we have AD and we have um, LeBron, you know, and then you add Russell, it doesn't matter who, who else plays with them. It does matter. Uh, and that, that group they had together in the uh, bubble, had they been able to keep most of that group together, um, I think they would have had a lot more success. But it's always easy to second guess after the fact. Coach, I want to talk to you about the Brooklyn Nets. You have a Kyrie Irving, you have a Kevin Durant that can give you 40, 50 on any given night. But they struggle defensively big time as a team. When you watch that Brooklyn Nets team, do you believe they can make it out the East? Why or why not? No, I don't believe they can um, because they have, for the same reason we were just talking about, Harry, they haven't been together enough. Um, there's no question how good you say the exact same things. Two of the best players in the game. Uh, if you throw those four together, you're talking four of the best players in the history of the game, to be honest with you. But, again, they just haven't played enough games together, and it's easier to 
overcome that on the offensive end because, you know, guys can make individual plays and they're not going against playoff defenses. It's going to get more difficult in the playoffs because teams are going to have time to get ready for them. You may not necessarily see that in the play-in round, but, I mean, like when you lock in now, it's a seven-game series, and that other team could say, all right, here's what we're going to do. We, you know, we're not taking KD and Kyrie out of the game, but we're going to make it a hell of a lot harder for them, uh, and then we're going to, you know, focus on the other people that can hurt us. It's just, to me, it's the very same thing. Um, Frank Vogel was not playing with the same deck everybody else was in terms of having, you know, 52 cards. Uh, Steve Nash is not. Uh, they're more together, clearly, than the Lakers were, but they're facing the, the, the very same things. And it's not an accident that they're not as good defensively as they are offensively because defense takes more time, more repetitions, more guys, you know, knowing where e each other is on the floor and, uh, you know, the ability to cover for each other. And, again, uh, I, I don't bet, period, uh, and I don't predict. But I would never say can't happen. But, you know, you ask me, do I think it can happen? No, I just think there's too many things to overcome, not the least of which is some really good teams in the East. You know, there, there might have been a time in the East, uh, you know, other than LeBron Cavs where you could say, hey, they, they can beat anybody else, and then you get into a seven-game series. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, there's too many good teams for them to beat. And I think those teams, when they have seven or when they have days to prepare and they're playing that same team uh, up to seven times in a row, I just think they're going to find a way to uh, take advantage of the lack of, of continuity and lack of time together that that team has had. P.J. Carlissimo, he's going to be on the ESPN radio call tonight for Knicks Nets. Coverage starts right here on ESPN radio at 7 p.m. Eastern. Coach, they're telling me you got to run. You're a very busy man. Thanks so much for giving us a couple minutes. Amber, Harry, great being with you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Coach. So that was interesting, though, that P.J. did not think that the Nets have enough to get out of the East, and he was blaming it on continuity. And it is true, Harry, that that is something that, of course, they have struggled with all season long. It's funny, though, because when we talk about continuity with the Nets, I think we think about Kyrie's availability. Earlier this week, though, KD said that he's the one to blame for the Nets' struggle, and he was talking about his availability because of his knee injury in January. And I thought that that was a really nice thing for Kevin Durant to say but if they have continuity issues it ain't on KD or his durability well I'll tell you this it's not just KD it's KD um it was Kyrie it's been LaMarcus Aldridge it's been Blake Griffith it's been Seth Curry they just haven't had a chance to get out there on a consistent basis as a team full-fledged and then I throw in Ben Simmons as well a guy they traded for with the James Harden trade and he hasn't been able to play at all they haven't had an opportunity for everyone to be out there and for this team to gel on a consistent basis. That's not a good brand of basketball that you want going into the playoffs and the play-in situation, to be exact. You want to be full-fledged and you want to be playing your greatest basketball, not to mention on top of everything else, they couldn't stop a damn nosebleed defensively if, 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 if a lot of money was even counting on it. You add all those things in, and I can see why a lot of people see them not making it out of the East. The only thing on my side is that you still have those two guys that can score 40, 50 any night. And if they can do something defensively just a little bit, a little bit better than they have, maybe. But I don't think it's going to happen. 
The Nets right now are tied with the Hawks. They are sitting in that eighth spot in the East. So the reward for finishing at the top of the East, most likely the Miami Heat, is going to be probably playing the Brooklyn Nets in the first round, playing Kevin Durant in the first round. Mm. It's hopefully P.J. Carlissimo, because I'm obviously a Heat fan, so hopefully P.J. Carlissimo is right that they just don't have enough continuity right now to uh, get anywhere in the postseason. They have the Knicks tonight. Again, coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, followed by them taking on the Cavs on Friday in the Pacers round out their regular season coming up next we stick with nba talk does devin booker deserve more mvp conversation this is espn radio with amber wilson and harry douglas espn radio the conversation around the mvp in the nba has focused all season on joel Embiid and Jokic, and now a little bit on Giannis as well Are we missing a name, though, Harry Douglas? Is there somebody else in this conversation that maybe we're not giving his due credit to? ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance makes bundling home and auto easy. Learn more at Progressive.com. Draymond Green thinks so. Draymond Green, of course, the Warriors forward. He was on ESPN Radio uh, yesterday on this show, and he said that none of those three aforementioned guys are his MVP. Here's Draymond Green. You know, Joel has been great. He's been incredible. I think Joker's been great. He's been incredible. Um, Giannis has been great. He's been incredible. But I asked the question, I posed the question, what's the criteria? Because, you know, there's years where we've heard, oh, the best player on the best team is going to win. The best player on the best team is going to win the MVP award. You know, there's been years where we saw someone on the sixth seed or seventh seed win an MVP award. Uh, if Joker's to win again and they do finish and and, and fifth for six, then, you know, you have that narrative. Devin Booker's not even being mentioned in the category. They're leading the league by and in, in team record by a long shot, and he's been absolutely incredible. And so I asked, what is the criteria? And at what point, at, when does it get to a point to where it's not just someone saying, oh, well, I like the season this guy had, and, it, and it's no merit. It's, it's nothing – you know, it's, it's nothing that's set in stone that says, oh, he did X, Y, and Z. He checked off these boxes. This guy wins the MVP. So, for me personally and what I value, Devin Booker's the MVP of the NBA. MVP, Because no one's trying to take anything away from any of these guys in the season that they're having. Devin Booker is the best player on the best team. So, if that's your evaluation of an MVP, who's on the best team? I mean, the Suns are far and away the best team in the NBA. And fine, Devin Booker is the best player on that team. And he's the reason that that team went 11-4 and when CP3 was injured. But when we're talking about best players in the NBA or even most valuable to their own team, Devin Booker wouldn't make the category for me in that conversation then. I would say this. When you look at a guy like Nikola Jokic, if you was to take him off the Denver Nuggets basketball team right now, Amber, I will ask you, do you think they make the playoffs? Oh, no. They're a lottery team. I mean, they're, they're terrible without him. If you take Joel Embiid off of the Philadelphia 76ers, would they make the playoffs? Well, that one's a little more complicated because I'm not as emphatic as I am about Denver because uh, is this James Harden on this team? And and does that look different? James Harden came over at a certain time. So Joel Embiid carried that team on his back 
for a ton of games before James Harden even got there. Not to mention James Harden hasn't even lived up to the standards since he's been there. That's true. He has not, but he is still James Harden. Now, I do think the supporting cast in the 76ers, even without James Harden, back when Seth Curry was on that team with Tyreek's Maskey, like I do think, and Tobias Harris, and like those guys in Philly, I do think are better than Jokic's supporting cast, particularly when you consider, you know, Jamal Murray injuries and Michael Porter Jr. injuries and what Jokic has done this season. So, I, but I understand your point. Like, not both of those guys, the answer is murkier than it is is when you're talking about Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you take both of those guys off of the team, I don't see any one of them making the playoffs. And James Harden, James Harden couldn't even lead the damn Nets. When Kyrie and Kevin Durant was out, he was flustered. He had headaches. He wasn't feeling well. His hamstring. And then he wanted to get traded. We've seen him throw tantrums by, like, behind closed doors and basically wanted to get shipped off because he couldn't do it by himself. So I don't think he could lead Philly by himself if he was asked to do it. Joel Embiid has been so dominant this year in the game of basketball in the NBA. Nikola Jokic has been dominant this year. A big, but basically a point center, a guy that can distribute the basketball, rebound the basketball, shoot the basketball, and doesn't play above the rim. It who that's that's not even heard of. A guy that doesn't even play above the rim. And he's doing the things that he's doing in the NBA right now. So I understand where Draymond is coming from, but I think it's even more to it than what Draymond has said. I, I think that there is a really strong argument to be made uh, for the three guys who have basically been in main contention for this award, frankly. Uh, I do think it's a bit of a toss-up. I understand why Joel Embiid is out here campaigning because also he's never won one. But I don't think I would have him third on this list. I think Giannis has improved his game since he was the MVP, which is remarkable yes. to say because of the greatness mm. of Giannis. He is even better. He has even improved his mid-range game this season season in a way that we haven't even seen from Giannis and we've seen Giannis do things that we've never seen before in NBA history but Jokic to me I mean the reigning award winner right now is averaging over 26 points over 13 boards eight assists while shooting almost 59 percent from the field no one in NBA history has averaged 25 13 and 7 in a season like he is doing and to me he is the most valuable to his team Dr. J he broke the hearts of everybody in Philadelphia. Of course, Julius Irving is one of the greatest players in NBA history, arguably the greatest to ever put on a Sixers uniform. And when he was on the Rich Eisen show, he was actually asked who his MVP is. And he said that it's not Joel Embiid, that he would give that award to Jokic because of the things that I just mentioned, because Jokic is doing unworldly things. Now, he said he hopes Embiid wins it because Embiid is his guy. He's placating a little, I think, to Philly there. But he thought that Jokic is really the one who's most deserving of that award. And then he talked about Antetokounmpo on the back end. I, I do think that we might Ooh, see another Lord, scenario Dr. J here. can't do that now. Dr. J, I know, right? Well, he listen, he kept that. it. Dr. <laughs> J kept it reels real with this. Oh, it's funny because he, he said, uh, you know, he hasn't missed any games night in and night out. He's it, talking about Jokic. He's won better than he did last year. He was the MVP last year. When you get better, I don't think you lose status. So it's not a fair fight. He did try to soften the blow by saying that oh, he hopes that Embiid wins it. He said, I'm going to be pulling for Embiid because Embiid's my guy. I don't know if you're Embiid's <laughs> guy, Dr. J, anymore after this, but I do appreciate oh, the time. honesty and the transparency there. From What's that one bell of the they Sixers ring greatest. before games? Ring the bell. Somebody ring the bell.
<laughs> Coming up next, Harry Douglas is going to ring the bell on his favorite things to see in this upcoming Major League Baseball season. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. Opening day is officially tomorrow in Major League Baseball after a 99-day lockout and a lot of uncertainty Baseball is back. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. It is time for the Progressive Major League Baseball snapshot, and that is going to be the top five things that Harry Douglas is looking forward to most now that Major League Baseball season is upon us. Harry? Number five. Number five, I'm going to start with the greatest rivalry in baseball. That's the New York Yankees versus the Boston Red Sox. Opening day is supposed to be tomorrow. It's not going to be postponed until Friday. And the reason why this is on my list, not only because it's the Red Sox versus the Yankees, how the season finished last year for the Yankees in the wild card game and their ace, Garrett Cole, being on the mound versus Evaldi. And getting rocked by Bogart to two-run home run in the first inning. He gave up three runs in that game within the first three innings. The Yankees never recovered. Uh, the Red Sox won that game 6-2. They went on to the rest of the playoffs. The Yankees went home. Now, I will say this. When I look at this Yankees ball club, they better watch out because their division is going to be very, very, very tough. The Red Sox is in there just as well. So the Rays and the Blue Jays, We'll have something to say for both of these teams. Now, I'm going to go to number four. Number four. The New York Mets. Who is going to be the best team in New York this year? Will it be the Yankees or will it be the Mets? But guess who the Mets have? And guess who Steve Cohen brought over? Mad Max. Yes, that's what I call him because, yes, he can pitch. They have Jacob DeGrom. They have Francisco Lindor. They have Escobar. They have them all. Robinson Cano as the DH. So I'm looking for this team to make strides. The only thing is, Amber Wilson, they happen to play and be in the same division with a team that happens to be my number three. Can we go to number three? Number three. Oh, my Atlanta Braves. The defending World Series champions who get an opportunity to raise that banner tomorrow. Is it? It won't God do it? He might not come when you want it, but he's going to always be on time, Amber. Yes, he will. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Braves. And a lot of people are looking at this team, and I love what Alex Anthopoulos did last year when you seen Ronald Acuna get hurt. He just didn't just hang it up. He went out and got Jock Peterson. He went out and got Eddie Rosario. He went out and got Jorge Soler. Now, two of those guys are gone. But guess why Atlanta's not budging? Because you get Ronald Acuna back. You get Marcel Ozuna back. So now you substitute those two guys in for the two that they're lost, and you look at who else they have. You have Matt Olson, Young Phenom. You have Eddie Rosario. You have Adam Duvall. You have uh, uh, who else they got? Dansby Swanson, Ozzy Albis. And then they brought over Kelly Jensen from the Dodgers to be a closer, to go along with Will Smith, who is a relief pitcher. But I love their starting pitching. Uh, you have Max Fried, Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Enoa. You have those guys, but I think Atlanta has an opportunity to repeat. But this number two team is going to make me nervous. Before you hit number two, Major League Baseball is on ESPN Radio. Tune in Thursday night as the world champion Atlanta Braves host the Boston Red Sox. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. You are listening to ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas 
Opening day is tomorrow in Major League Baseball. We are going through Harry Douglas's top five things he is looking forward to this baseball season. Let's move on to number two. Number two. Oh, this is what this this team makes me nervous about my Atlanta Braves. And even though they beat them in the NLCS last year, they have a lot of foul power, especially at the batting and pitching positions. You look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yes, a guy, Freddie Freeman, who's been in a Braves uniform for a very, very long time. He went over there in free agency. You have Lux, you have Justin Turner, Trey Turner, Chris Taylor, Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncy, all those guys at the plate who's going to pay dividends for this team. So watch out for the Dodgers. I like what they have pension-wise. When you talk about Bueller and Kershaw and Urias, all those type of guys that can play the game of baseball at a very high level. So that leads me to my number one thing. Number one. Shanghai Otani. The young man is just a young phenom. I love what he brings to the game. The only guy to make it first team as a DH and second team as a pitcher. He does it starting at pitching. He does it hitting the baseball. Uh, I don't think we have seen anything like this in a very, very long time. I can, you probably even say Babe Ruth. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the Angels are going to be able to do. I'm looking forward to seeing Mike Trout be better. They have Rendon. So I'm, I, it's going to be tough for them, though, because they're in the same division with the Astros and the Mariners, uh, who did very, very well last year. So I'm looking forward to them making that step and just not letting that talent just get wasted. But I'm looking for Otani to piggyback off the season he had last year and showing everybody that it wasn't a fluke, and he is like that. Yeah, Otani, of course, pulled off the two-way mastery last season, making the all-star team as both a hitter and a pitcher. He is the modern-day Babe Ruth. I feel like that's a fair comparison at this point, as lofty as a comparison is that as that is. And, and seeing how you know the two-way star and reigning AL MVP is going to handle his encore here is yeah. absolutely going to be one of the most exciting storylines of this Major League Baseball season. The Major League Baseball season, we mentioned, starts tomorrow. There are seven games taking place on opening day. Now, Harry mentioned it. Bo Sox-Yankees was postponed until Friday, as was Mariners-Twins. Both of those reschedulings were be due to weather. But despite the delayed start with the 99-day lockout, the baseball season still going to be 162 games. You're still going to feature 39 uh, inning doubleheaders to make up some of the 91 games postponed by the lockout. So we are getting Major League Baseball. Not quite on time, Harry, uh, but it's not too little too late. It's just on time. I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to another matchup uh, tomorrow that's going to be very, very uh, watchful, and that's going to be the Houston Astros versus the Angels, right? Uh, Valdez, a guy who, who who had a strong showing in the playoffs, not so much against the Braves, but against everybody else he did. And then uh, Otani on the mound, right? I want to see those two guys go against each other uh, and see what their prospective teams bring to the table as well. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. Uh, I'm trying to see if it's another one. It's funny because you have the Mets on this list as well. I wanted to react to that because you have the Mets as one of the things you're looking most forward to this baseball season. I'm not sure that's something that everyone's always used to saying, but I heard Buster Olney talking today on ESPN radio about how Steve Cohen has actually changed the game potentially for the New York Yankees because now the Mets, that little team across town, is actually going to spend money and spending big money with that owner, and that has certainly changed the landscape of things 
in New York. Uh, so that's an interesting component of this Major League Baseball season. By the way, Major League Baseball Snapshot is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, it protects a whole lot of things. Bundled today at Progressive.com. Coming up next, the Lakers season wasn't a total loss. We'll explain how one person cashed in big time on the Lakers regular season pain. That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio. Tiger Woods is playing, it appears, in the 86th Masters. And it's an unbelievable comeback story that we've been talking about for the last few days because the fact that he's even going to be making an appearance in a Masters, nevertheless actually trying to compete and actually trying to make the cut. And Tiger ain't out there if he ain't trying to win the Masters. Let's be real. But the fact that he's been doing this just 14 months removed from that car accident is an unbelievable comeback story. But I wonder, Harry, because it's all we've been talking about the last few days, and I don't know if you've seen the pictures of the practice rounds at Augusta. It's historic down there. The amount of people showing up just to watch Tiger Woods practice playing golf, right? Uh, It's like nothing we've ever seen. That's how Tiger rates. And I wonder if you're one of those other 90 players participating in this year's Masters, like, do you want Tiger out there? Because he's kind of stealing all the attention. Does golf still need Tiger the way that we have always traditionally thought of golf needing Tiger? I believe so. Just because I I look at Tiger, right, and um, first of all, his mindset, right? He's always going to believe that he can win whatever tournament he's playing in. That's how he's wired, and there's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. You look at Tiger, This is, this is he's a five-time Masters champion. Uh, this is the 25th anniversary since he won his first Masters championship back in 97. But I think about people that look like me, black and brown people in – how they have adopted the game of golf because of a guy like Tiger Woods who looked like us, right? And I don't necessarily know if that would be the case if Tiger Woods wouldn't have been the star that he has been uh, within the game of golf. But I just want to tell Tiger, I know he's not listening, but even if he is listening. You never know. Maybe yeah, you he's never a big know. fan of Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. Him. You know, I appreciate him and everything he's done to the sport and the pillar that he has been as well. Right, and, I, and I'm looking forward to years to come because the last name Woods will never be forgotten. He'll never be forgotten anyway, but he does have a son named Charlie. And I know he's training his son to do better than what he actually did. So I'm looking forward to that years to come when I have my feet kicked up in my rocking chair. Yeah, no, no pressure there, Charlie. Uh, all you have to do is fill the shoes of the, of the best ever to uh, ever do it. Uh, and that's sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I think with Tiger Woods, it's funny because it's the Tiger Woods effect a little bit where he inspires an entire generation of younger golfers. And now because of how long your career is in golf, now it's that younger generation that he has to beat. So it's like you encourage yes. all these people, all these kids who grew up watching you to play golf, and then you find yourself later in life having to try to beat all of that incredible Incredible young talent that golf has in the golf game right now. But Tiger will be out there. He will be competing at Augusta, and he'll be trying to trying to do just that in winning his sixth green jacket if he can do it. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Harry and I are taking it down the stretch here. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. We have had an action-packed show today. A very Lakers-heavy show coming off of them, of course, missing the postseason. They lost last night to the Phoenix Suns, and LeBron was not there to help because of an injured ankle. 
the Spurs won last night on the road. And so it means the Lakers are not going to be in any sort of postseason contention, not even a play in scenario to help us unpack that earlier in the show. We had on George Sedano, 710 ESPN LA. We talked all things Lakers and the frankly disaster that is Ryan Clark, ESPN's NFL analyst and host of DC and RC. He also joined us. He also actually talked some Lakers. And then of course he talked NFL with us and Stefan Diggs' crazy contract and where that wide receiver market is going. And PJ Carlissimo, he joined us as well. He is on the call tonight for Nets and Knicks. Coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern. PJ, of course, is ESPN Radio's NBA analyst. And now, Harry Douglas, it is time for us to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is Three and Out. So we spent a lot of time on today's show talking about the disappointing Los Angeles Lakers. And Harry and I both feel like LeBron should shoulder some blame for where the Lakers are at. Not necessarily on the court because he's still playing phenomenally at 37 years old, but in terms of that roster construction and the hand that we know that he played in putting together this team. Well, LeBron is out here talking about who else he wants to play with next. So he's already moved on from playing with Russell Westbrook, right? And and Anthony Davis, he was asked, what other guys in the league would you want to play with? I'm guessing that those guys maybe wouldn't make the list anymore based on how things have gone this season. He was on a barbershop. He listed Steph Curry, Harry and Luka Doncic as the players that he would most like to play with in today's NBA is LeBron James shooting his shot or is he just being honest? What do you make of this? Look at LeBron. See everybody was playing checkers while LeBron over there playing chess, setting up moves of the future, possibly moves of the future. And I don't knock him. You see what transpired in LA this year with the Lakers. I don't blame you, LeBron. If you got to throw little subliminal messages out there, Throw him out there. But I do know a guy in Steph Curry is a guy that he had to go through to win his title when he was in Cleveland, a guy that actually has been through him uh, and won uh, a championship as well. You look at a guy like Luka Doncic, uh, a guy that is not, not afraid of LeBron. He went at LeBron this year. I remember in a game, I said toward the end of the game, you, you see Jason Kidd tell Luka, go at LeBron. But I just mentioned a name, Jason Kidd. Where is he the head coach at? In Dallas. Oh, a guy who probably should have been the head coach with the Lakers. Don't put it past LeBron. He's playing chess while the rest of y'all playing checkers. Now, Luka is in his early 20s. And Luka, obviously, is is unbelievable, an unbelievable player. Uh, I mean, he should, frankly. We were having the MVP NBA conversation earlier. We were throwing Devin Booker into that conversation because – that was Draymond Green's choice. We frankly could have thrown Luka Doncic into the conversation as well because he's one of those kind of honorable mentions this year in terms of the NBA MVP categories. And he is one of those guys that never has enough around him, frankly, but he's an unbelievable player. At 23 years old, sure, like LeBron could shoot his shot for Luka. I don't really know if that really applies to Steph Curry so much. Like Steph Curry is at a very different point in his career in his mid thirties, but the Lakers do need shooters. 
just, I'm just not sure I'm going. Basketball. I mean, I mean, the Warriors are trading. Stay in the league for a long time, Amber. If you can shoot that basketball, you always have a place in the NBA. Trust me, my boy Lou Will, underground Lou, still in the league to the day because he can put that ball in a basket. If you can shoot the basketball, you have a place on the NBA roster. It's weird if you pull the numbers this season, the Mavs have actually been better with Luka on the bench. It, it, that makes no sense. This is the weird thing about basketball and about basketball metrics. Like, it makes no sense. It's like what the Grizzlies do without Jaw out there. The whole thing yeah. is crazy when you're talking about their best player not being out on the court and it affects the plus minus uh, in a positive way when he's on the bench, which is like really, really odd. But I don't think anybody would dispute what an incredible player both of those guys are. Now, LeBron did go on to say that the player that he wants to play with the most who's not currently in the NBA is Bronny. So he's out here still trying to, you know, up Bronny's draft stock. I mean, I'm sure he wants to play with his son, <laughs> Harry. It's just that he mentions it so much. And like, Bronny's just a junior in high school. Like, we're, like, we're not good there father. Yet, You know, but that That's is a good, good dad. Hey. He's like, hey, I yes. come with him. Whoever wants to draft him. Bronny right now is not a player who's, you know, a lock for being a one and done. Uh, you know, he's not. He's. <laughs> He's like, what is he like? I think, is he even top 50 right now uh, in, in, in his class? Or maybe he's like 47. I think he's like right but there. But I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, though. If Bronny decided to do one year and come out, you don't think anybody's going to draft him? Oh, they're going to draft uh, Well, yeah, because, because of all this campaigning LeBron James could be that LeBron James is yeah. doing. So that's why he's out here doing it. Bay, I'm, I'm not mad at you at being mm-hmm. a good dad. Okay, according to MGM, at the start of the NBA season, one better placed $10,000 on the Lakers, Harry Douglas, to miss the playoffs at plus 1600 last night that person won $160,000 smart bet my goodness that is a very smart bet but I'm gonna I'm start doing this before every like seasonal things right start placing little small bets on things that are outrageous that people think won't transpire because if they happen I'm gonna look like the greatest guy on earth. If well, they don't happen, right I won't now even tell Tiger. Like the like, it's crazy odds right now. If you bet on Tiger to win the Masters, so people are out here doing it, you know, because yeah, I'm gonna throw a little something on Tiger. I'm gonna throw a little something on. Tiger. You're gonna throw a little something. It's like, it's like plus five hundred. I'm gonna throw a little something, something at Tiger. Odds right now because so I miss I missed my bet in 2019, and I told myself I'd never do it again. When he won in 2009. Now I would imagine those game. odds were long, but not as not as long as they are now. I mean, now it's so. No, 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 no. I mean, now like that. I'm. The, I would imagine the odds for him even making the cut at this Masters have got to be something quite astronomical because it's just such a physical. They better feat. put some. They better put some respect with a K, like Birdman says on Tiger Woods' name. They better put some respect. On uh, his Tim Bontemps. On the, his latest injury report, the 76ers list Matisse Thibel as ineligible to play tomorrow's game in Toronto. This could lead one to believe, Harry Douglas, that Matisse Thibel may be not vaccinated. This is going to have real implications as we head into the playoffs. The Raptors right now sitting at that fifth spot in the East. Players who play those games in Toronto, if they're not vaccinated, these teams are going to be missing some players. Yeah, this is not good. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, who have been very, very solid this year, shout out to Nick Nurse, and if they continue to move forward in the playoffs, uh, it's going to be some nail-biting things for whoever has to play them in the second round because now you got to see who's vaccinated, who's not vaccinated, who's going to be able to play, who's not going to be able to play. It could definitely affect rosters moving forward. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It'll also be interesting to see how Nets-Knicks plays out. That is coming up next here on ESPN Radio.